Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore Patty McCord's recent TED video, Four Lessons the Pandemic Taught Us About Work, Life, and Balance. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring Patty McCord's recent TED video, Four Lessons the Pandemic Taught Us About Work, Life, and Balance. The COVID-19 pandemic changed the way we work for good. Can it also change it for the better? Consultant Patty McCord reviews four key insights employers and employees alike gleaned from their shift to working from home and shares how companies can use what they learned in lockdown to creatively and innovatively rethink how we do business. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. I've spent the last couple of years traveling around the world, giving talks to big corporations and little bitty startups and lots of leadership teams and women's groups. And what I've been talking to people about, I've been trying really hard to convince people that we can change the way we work. But every time I do a talk, somebody comes backstage or follows me off stage and says, you know, I'm so inspired by what you say. It's so great. It makes so much sense, but we can't. We can't because we're we're regulated. We can't because our CFO says we can't do it. We can't because we're in Europe. We can't because we're a service industry. We can't because we're a nonprofit. And then last year came the pandemic. And the pandemic changed everything all over the world. Service people started realizing that they had to suit up and wear masks and take temperatures and wash their hands. We had to start standing six feet apart in lines. We started working from home. We started working virtually. And we started learning all kinds of things because we had to. All that muscle around innovation and flexibility and creativity that we didn't think we had, we had all along. And we now have realized that we can. There's no question that the pandemic has changed a lot around the world uh, in terms of our lives, our personal lives, but our, our work lives as well. So the way we work is fundamentally different today than the way it was for most people a year ago. That's not new news to anybody. Everyone knows this, um, but it is important to reflect on, to think about what life was like pre-pandemic, what work was like pre-pandemic, and what has been good about the shifts that we've seen. And let's critically reflect on those, and let's try to tap in 
to the lessons learned and the good things that came out of a pretty crummy overall year. If the pandemic is a catalyst to permanently move us in the direction of more healthy organizations with more work-life balance, with more flexibility and autonomy for its workers, then I would say that's, that's a really nice, good, unintended outcome, unintended consequence of this horrific situation that we found ourselves in. So throughout this video, she's going to be laying out some of the lessons learned, some of the lessons she's learned, but I encourage you to also consider some of the lessons you've learned. Because frankly, we're all unique and each of us brings our own context and our own situations to the table. And it, the pandemic impacted us each differently. So what have we learned? I mean, what did we learn right away? First of all, we learned we're not family. The family is the toddler walking around behind you in the Zoom call with the pet. The family is somebody needing their diaper change. The family is making sure you're taking care of your mom. That's your family. This is your team. And we've also learned that that separation between family and work and is become this balancing act. And that when we used to say, well, this is my work home and this is my family home, and those are two completely different things, for many of us, it's exactly the same thing. You're no longer at home and at work. For many of us, work is at home and the home is, at, and it's confusing and it's creating a whole different level of complexity and coordination so that we understand that it's easier actually to work when we can separate the work that we do as a team from the work that we do in our family. Furthermore, in order to be able to do all that, we have to recognize that we're all adults. And here's the deal about adults. Adults have responsibilities, adults have obligations, adults have things that they have to commit to. And do you know that every single person that works for you from the shop floor to the executive suite is a grown-up? But we have been operating as if they aren't. We operate as if only the smart adults are the people who are at the C-suite. And as we move through the organization, everybody sort of gets a little dumbed down and the rules get a lot stricter and we have to have more control. And the truth is, everybody's a grown-up, we can see it now. Everybody has all of these things to figure out and coordinate. And so now we're expecting from people adult behavior. We're now focusing on the results that matter, not the work. And the way we track it now is we don't walk by and see who's working. We pay attention to what people are doing. And I think that that has always been the best metric. And you know what? For the first time in my life, the concept of best practices, it's out the window. So her first set of lessons, I think, are really good. First, we need to recognize that it's fundamentally a different thing to have our home family, our home life, and our work family, our work friends, our work life. And the pandemic has just meshed it all together. Now, she makes the argument that we'll be more effective, more productive, and be happier if we can have a clear demarcation and separation between those two areas of our life, our home life and our work life, our home family and our, our work colleagues. Um, and I would have to ask her about that. I would have to pick her brain a little bit more and have her drill in to, to see what exactly she means by that. Um, I suspect she has some good arguments for it. I would just su suggest that uh, while it is important that we can move back and forth and separate our work uh, from our home life, 
one of the really nice things about the pandemic is it's allowed us the flexibility to work for a little while and then deal with family matters, to then go back and do a little bit of work and then go to a kid's game or uh, event, uh, go to the park, spend time with the kids, the dogs, whatever, and then go back to work once the kids are in bed. Uh, th- this this notion that we had to be in the office eight to five, eight to six, eight to seven, and then go home and then work some more, uh, that's a notion that I think for most people has kind of gone out the window. Uh, we realize that it doesn't really matter how we work, it, it matters what we accomplish. It doesn't matter how or when we work, it matters what we accomplish. And the other aspect of that that she talks about is like, let's treat everyone like we're, like we're adults. And I see this in organizations all the time. She's absolutely right. The lower down the hierarchy of the organization you get, the more strict, the more disciplined, uh, the more micromanaged people often become. Are we really considering them to be adults? Are they mature? Are they capable? Are they, uh, are, are they motivated? Can we rely on them? If we treat them like children, they will likely end up responding in kind. And so we, the, the pandemic has forced us to trust our employees more. And because of that, it's allowed us now to recognize that, yes, we, we can trust them. Yes, we can rely on them. We can treat them as adults. And I think that's an amazing thing. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. And you know what? We don't care what Google's doing because we're not Google. We don't care what some other company is doing. Nobody's doing it best. We're all figuring it out as we go along. And we're figuring it out for our organizations, in our teams at this time. So in order for people to deliver the right results, in order for people's hard work to matter, it has to be in the context of what success looks like for your organization. So if we start to think about context, It's really important that we think about how we teach that. If we can teach everybody in the company how to read a profit and loss statement, if we can teach them what the different teams do and what they're setting out to accomplish, then people within their own small teams and within themselves can figure out what excellence looks like for them. 
And so then we can start operating relatively independently as a whole organization because we're all moving in the same direction, trying to do the same thing. And there's a really critically important part of making that work, and that's communication. And everything about communication has changed. We tend to think that communication is this waterfall from the top to the bottom. The executives would tell somebody and the next level would tell somebody and we'd go all the way down to the shop floor and everybody would understand what's going on. Well, it may not have worked that well then, but it certainly doesn't work that well now. So now we have to recognize it's a different heartbeat. What has it been before and what should it be now? How do we make sure that the messages are clear and consistent? Because that's how people operate. That's how those adults who get the freedom and the responsibility to produce great results operate best is when they understand what they need to know in order to make the best decisions. So that communication, that, that skill around being a great communicator is something that each of us needs to get better at. One of the things we have to do is think about what the right discipline is for that. If you used to communicate to your team by walking by and asking how they're doing, or if they had heard something, you're going to have to schedule that now. It's going to have to have discipline. We've got to check in with the people on the shop floor to make sure they're hearing what they need to hear because it's not going to automatically happen. I really like her point about not being overly focused on best practices. Now, is it good to keep your eye out for what's working in other places? Sure. Is it good to stay on top of industry trends? Sure. Um, but to become over-reliant on best practices and the fads of what's happening in other places, I mean, you can just end up chasing your tail. Because the reality is every organization is different. Every organization is unique. Each team is unique. And so what works for one organization may not work exactly the same for you. Uh, you have your own culture. Uh, even if your products and services, your customers are largely the same, you're in the same sector, it, you're still unique, you're still different. And so, yes, look around, scan the environment, learn from others who have had successes, but don't become over, overly reliant on this idea of best practices and we have to follow after what everyone else is doing. Plus, the other notion is, don't we want to innovate? And if all we're ever doing is lagging behind and waiting for other people to do cool stuff and then we try to see what they're doing and then try to mimic it, we're, we're not innovating in that situation. We're not trying to push the boundaries of our own thinking and understanding and how we can help our organization thrive. So spend some time learning from other organizations, but spend more time focusing on your own organization, understanding your context, understanding your team, and having those strategic discussions and creating an environment where you can be creative and innovate and push back and learn and grow and iterate to drive greater levels of success. Then she also talks about communication. Now, of course, communication is so important and it's always been important. It's one of the biggest problems that most organizations have, even pre-pandemic, but you add on top of it the pandemic and people working virtually in a distributed workforce, people all over the world, uh, and the reality is that communication is more vital now than it ever has been in the past. So we have to focus on being consistent in our communication, being open and transparent in our communication, and ultimately just being committed to having opportunities to touch base, to check in, not in a micromanaging way, but in a supportive way. And if you create 
an environment where everyone feels that, you know, there's trust and everyone feels that you have their best interests at heart and that you're trying to help them grow and develop and you're going to support them, they will welcome that communication. They'll welcome the coaching and the mentoring and the feedback because they want to learn, they want to grow, they want to develop in their own career. One of the ideas I have is like, just jot down at the end of every day, a sentence of what worked and what didn't work. And you don't have to look at it for a month. But when you look at back over a month, you want to look for, wow, that was surprising. I didn't really think that would be as effective as it is. Or maybe it would be like, we keep trying to have this meet, this in-person meeting in Zoom, and it turns out that there's 14 people on the call and only two of them are talking. Maybe it's an email. So we have to rethink all of the ways, not just the work we're doing, but the ways we're doing it. So now I'm starting to hear a lot of nostalgia around the way it used to be. There are things we aren't doing now that don't matter. Maybe we don't need to go back for five levels of approval. Maybe we don't need to go back and do that annual performance review. Maybe we don't need to do a whole bunch of things that were part of the way we do business that just aren't making a difference. You know what? The way we used to do it not only is not the way of the future, but we're discovering so many wonderful things right now. Let's not lose it. We want to create a new organization, new workforce that's excited about taking all of the things that we've learned, using that muscle, going forward. One of the most important things that we can do is realize the things that we aren't doing now, the stuff that we've stopped doing, and not go back and do it again. What if we don't go back? What if we go forward and rethink the way we work? Thank you. Yes, we need to rethink the way we work. There are all sorts of things that we did before that just don't matter. And over the course of this past year, this past 13 months, I think many of those have come into uh, stark contrast with what we've been doing and what is actually necessary to be able to do our jobs well and to be supportive of our teams. So let's rid ourselves of all of that garbage, all that junk. Um, think about uh, minimalism. Uh, minimalism is something that I have focused a lot on in recent years, not only in terms of physical stuff, the stuff around my house, the stuff in my office, you know, it's, it's freeing. Uh, it, there's a weight off your shoulders when you just get rid of the clutter and you get rid of the stuff. The same thing in your, your thoughts and your, your, how you, you process the world around you. We have all this baggage in our heads that we carry around with us, but the same thing within organizations. And I love the idea of trying to be minimalistic in our organizations. We don't need uh, the glut of all of the additional policies and the, the added layers of bureaucracy. So much of what has been added into organizations over time just is not necessary. So many of the norms aren't necessary. In fact, they can be counterproductive. So let's really take a good hard look at what is working, what's not working. I love her idea of just take Take a little bit of time at the end of each and every day. What worked, what didn't work? And then periodically go back and review those. I think you'll be surprised by the insights that you find. And if everyone is doing that, and then you have um, team meetings where you can get together and really explore and talk about what is helping you perform your job better, what is helping you connect with the organization and its purpose better, what's helping you to connect with the customers and serve them better, if that's the focus, 
then all of a sudden you're moving the organization forward. You're making your people more happy. They're being led instead of micromanaged. And ultimately it's a win, win, win all the way around. So let's get rid of all the extra stuff. Let's really take a second hard look at what matters and what doesn't matter and get rid of all that other stuff. So I really appreciate her insights in this video. She's talking, you may have recognized in the title, um, it's not work-life balance, work-life balance, like we often talk about. It's work, comma, life, comma, and balance. The fact that we need to find balance between all of these and we need to design work in a way that will actually be productive and helpful and sustainable and recognize the humanity of our people, uh, recognize that they're adults that need to be trusted, that need to be empowered. And when we can focus it on in on the, it that way as leaders, we can help our people be successful and thrive at work, at home, and that they can find balance between all of their different priorities. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.